She said, I realized the power of shifting when I buried my daughter. She said, and I, I just remember this, she goes, my daughter had leukemia and we would shift it from, I have to get chemo to I get to get chemo. Oh man. Alicia Dunhams, welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. It's not that deep, Deepak. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you making it here in hurricane season in Miami. I know. Um, it was really coming down on the way here, but I'm happy you made it to the studio. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's rainy outside and it's still hot and steamy at the same time. <laughs> Love it. I want to try my best to give an introduction for you, but it's, it's going to be difficult because you're so many things. You've had such an accomplished career, but you are a writer, a book, strateg uh, book strategist, mm -hmm. writing coach, and entrepreneur. You've, you've done many businesses. You, you've been in the corporate world, and now you're helping people um, you know, with, with empathy and, and learn soft skills and things yeah. that you know, the world needs a lot more of. So mm -hmm. really, really excited to have you here in the studio. It's great to be here. I'm excited. Thank you yeah. so much for being on. So one of the first things that I like to you know, speak with most of my guests about is like, what led you to this? I mean, it's probably been a whirlwind of a journey that's led you into this book. What got you interested in, in writing and leadership to begin with? Well, the journey in life is definitely not a straight line. And uh, so there's been a lot of uh, uh, circles and, and uh, curlies and, and all of those different things to get me here. It's uh, when you said, I was gonna ask you, you know, about your life, what got you here? It's like, there's, there's a lot of decades that I'm uh, carrying with me. So uh, it's uh, what got me here here today is really, we talked about my book uh, when we met at an event here in, in Miami. And my book is called How to Talk to Your Enemies. And I've been very passionate about bridging divides. And I think that's something that I, a skill I got adept at, adept at really uh, just from childhood and uh, even just my parents. I'm sure some people can definitely relate to that as being able to see how can I bring my parents together mm. from differences really and and so that's what got me here and and so whoo it's it's been a journey so as you mentioned in my intro for 20 years i've had my own business uh, for 17 years i've been helping people write best-selling books and i do that in a variety of different ways and methodologies i have a workshop called bestseller in a weekend mm -hmm. uh, help thousands of people write their book Thousands of people. Yes, That's in a weekend. Incredible. <laughs> and I did those live across the country. It's a it's an online training now, and and so through that process, I learned the skills of facilitation. I learned the skills of coaching. Uh, I've learned leadership skills because I've worked with so many different CEOs and uh, and uh, leadership pe people and leadership thought leaders rather, spiritual leaders, if you will. So I learned that process through Best Seller a Weekend. I help people write books through uh, my author services company, so ghostwriting, uh, other types of uh, services required to get your book out there. And 
marketed and published. And so that has been really the, my longest journey. I've spent the most amount of time really helping people write books and become best-selling authors. Now, through that process, I've written some books on my own. Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, when I got started, I wrote my first book, uh, really a, a book that supports women's and women empowerment. And then I started putting on women's conferences. And then when I put on the women's conferences where I'd have the likes of like Laurel Langmeier, I mean, she's been around for a long time, the millionaire maker, uh, and uh, Marcy Shymoff and Christy, Christine Comerford. So I'd have all these names that really you don't hear about much lately, maybe in their own little purviews and little uh, communities. But uh, I just started helping people with big platforms write books. Yep. And people asked me, how can I help them write a book? And I, one thing I saw, an objection I got a lot of times from people is I don't know how to write a book mm -hmm. or I don't have time to write a book. Right. So that's why I Because it's a huge undertaking. It's a huge undertaking. <laughs> so I'm like, how can I, because I like solving problems. Uh -huh. And my Gallup Strength Finders, my number one personality trait is really, um, I'm an activator. Mm -hmm. I like creating action. So when I heard all these objections, I don't have the time and I don't know how. I'm like, okay, well, how can we do this in... How can we make it happen in two and a half days? So I got, I got down a strategy to write 20,000 words in two and a half days. And uh, people would actually launch their books even just one or two weeks after they took the, took the course. So you took something that, I mean, might take, you know, your first time author, someone who otherwise might be extremely accomplished in their life and have something to write about. You know, you're talking about these CEOs and these, these mountain moving people, mm -hmm. but then the, the, concept of sitting down and writing a book could take years it should take years but how do you squeeze that into a weekend and wh where did that like methodology even come from well that's a great question because this the ceos the game changers people who are out there speaking and changing lives those are the ones those are the people who are hard to dick you know uh, rather duct tape not dictate but duct tape to a chair <laughs> and and so because they're just have so much pers personality and charisma so i needed to create a program that would really meet them where they are right and that's something that's fast paced that gets it done and then they could hand it off to an editor and just really accelerate the process so what you're doing and, and without obviously getting into too much detail about it but what you're doing in that weekend is like sitting down with with you know this person and just are you like interviewing them are you mm -hmm. asking them a bunch of questions are you like recording all of it and then like turning that into words like what's the high level process there because it's absolutely. just like mind-blowing for me to even hear absolutely so it's all of the above what you just said so we get uh, we get people in a room or online, and we determine the topic of their book, the title, subtitle, we outline the book, we come up with questions, and then there's an interview. And, and people come together and do an interview process, and then so it's a dictation, transcription, and at the end of the weekend, they have 20,000 words. Now, when I started doing it 10, 15 years ago, we would, have, we would send the audio to New Zealand, actually, and, and then this woman was a transcriptionist, and she would have a whole team in the Philippines actually transcribing. Oh, my goodness. This, this is how long I've been doing. <laughs> and so, uh, so obviously now we don't have physical, people physically typing it. Yeah, it's a lot the of AI. Audio, yeah, now it's completely AI. So the, the process has been truncated. 
And now what I do, and you know, I might really take my best long weekend model, and I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, and we do 20,000 words in one day, dictation, transcription, and then we use chat GPT to, um, to do an edit, essentially. And, and I'm a big believer of original content. I'm a big believer in having your voice be heard. Mm -hmm. So I don't believe in originating content in ChatGPT. Yes, of course, you can create frameworks and, and templates. And, and I feel there's something very powerful for it to be that interview process really mm -hmm. makes it uh, powerful and transformative for people, especially people who are writing memoirs mm -hmm. and have some deep stuff to process. Um, well, that's yeah. the one thing the AI is not going to replace is this. Right, mm -hmm. like there's still soul, there's still energy, there's Absolutely. still an exchange of ideas, and you know, in, like there's mistakes and there's slip ups and there's still things that like you know people need to share. And ChatGPT and those these tools, as amazing as they are for helping clean things up, and like you said, frameworks, it's not really the the be all end all. Like it's gonna just gonna replace every single thing you do. So yeah. I, I love how you're able to incorporate AI into what you do, but I'm still mind blown. 20k words in a day that's mm -hmm. basically a, a book in a weekend you really are doing that so really really wonderful workshop I, I love that you do that but you also like you said help people with the whole entire process yes helping them get published helping them with the whole book uh you know process which is not an easy thing right mm -hmm. talk to me about what what that process used to be like and and what it is now and would working with you what that could be like getting it you know from ideation obviously the workshop helps but then to actually getting it out on shelves yeah. absolutely i always say i'd help you get go from idea to author in two and a half days and when your book comes out of bestseller to weekend it still needs to go through editing and it mm -hmm. still needs to go through you know more subject matter expert interviews frameworks creating more uh uh, more content, more interviews. So obviously continuing to write your book, you want to get your book to about 40,000 words. 40,000 words is a 200-page book. Got it. And through that process, then editing, typesetting, book cover design. And, and so it matters what direction you want to go. Are you self-publishing your book? or you're traditionally publishing your book, mm -hmm. if you're self-publishing your book. Again, uh, you know, the processes that I've created have uh, really truncated that, pro that, that uh, time span um, in terms of creating content quickly. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure, and it, it's so interesting when someone says, do they, uh, many people want to be traditionally published, and I understand that, and that process is going to be at least two years. At least two years. Doesn't doesn't matter. Like, there's no way to shorten that. Um, you know, obviously, there's. I, I believe in possibility. Yeah. I, I know um, some people in this space who've gone to traditional publishers and say, "Hey, I need this book out in six months." Mm -hmm. And the the publisher, because they had such a big platform, they made it happen. And if you are traditionally published, you need a book proposal. You need to go get an agent, and then and then you know the, the process happens. Right. Uh, so the thing about self-publishing is that you could literally, you know, draft your book on a weekend, continue to write it. Now we have tools that can support you in editing it quickly. And uh, what I really uh, offer in terms of author services are those book packaging and then book marketing. So helping people get to Wall Street Journal bestseller status, USA Today, New York Times. Um, for the select author, you do get, you get to have a platform and 
And so I have clients who come to me who don't have a platform. They want to write a book as a way to build their platform, build their audience, build their social media. Because the interesting thing is, you know, my book, this is, this is my fourth book. And um, I got a consultancy off of this book wow. with a, a major tech company. And it's because, and I met someone at a party. He's like, well, you know, what do you do? And I said, well, I just wrote a book and told him a little bit about it. He goes, oh, I'd love you to do some work for my company. And we had a conversation and I was offered work through that. So because I do corporate work mm -hmm. as you ad addressed in the intro. And, and so a book really, it's, it is a game changer when it comes to getting on TV. It's a it, legitimizer. It, like it, right away people. It gives you instant credibility. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had people get major meetings because they have a book. Uh, get on TV because mm -hmm. they have a book. Get on the cover of the New York Times because they have a book. And, and so having a book is a game changer and it really differentiates people who um, don't take the time to do it. And I know, you know, we've been talking about AI, that quickens the process and you can tell someone who's just spit out a book, you know, just for with AI. And, and really actually Amazon, and there's gonna be a lot of um, vetting mechanisms to make sure that, mm. that that type of book stays out. Mm -hmm. And so it's important that you use AI as a tool that you still come to the table with your frameworks with your own individual intellectual property, uh, really thinking things out, like what do you have to bring to the table? And that's really important. And so this book, I, I wrote 80,000 words over a year. I did use my best learn a weekend process to create the first original 20,000 words. I always do mm -hmm. for my books, like that for the, for the last two books I wrote. That's like I a did. Kickstarter. It's, it, like it's a Kickstarter. Now you have to finish it. it it's <laughs> absolutely. And then you say, I'm writing a book. Yeah. I, I took this workshop. I have 20,000 words. So I always do that process. I have a book called I Get To, How mm -hmm. Using the Right Words Can Radically Transform Your Life, Relationships, I really and want business. to talk about that one as yes. well. Yes. Uh, and so that is, uh, I, I wrote that book. I did a book with one of my clients uh, 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 called What This, it was, it was a response to the Me Too movement. Uh, and it's called What to Say and Do When You're Sexually Harassed. And it was really a, a book to, to support people uh, in using their voice. All of my books are around the power of the spoken word. Mm. And, and I firmly believe that what you say, you create. There is power in the spoken word. So whether it is healing divides, being able to resolve conflict, whether it's I get to, which is intentional communication for transformational results in your life, being intentional with your words, whether it's my first book, Goal Digger, Lessons Learned from the Rich Men I Dated. I wrote that back in 2007. That was all about what I, what I learned uh, in that process of uh, dating successful people is that the words you use in life will create your results. And wow. so being intentional, being, uh, being intentional with your word is very powerful whether it's being compassionate, whether it's being loving, whether it's meeting people where they are, whether it's speaking into existence, those are all really important. And it all starts with words. And it's interesting because that's what I use in my workshops. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the interview process. It's speaking out. So we're speaking books into existence. Wow. And that is really a, a powerful um, tool that we can all use. And one thing I mentioned in my first book, Gold Digger, and I wrote that book in 2006, and 
the concept of the abracadabra principle, I call the abracadabra principle, but the word abracadabra means what you say you create. Mm. So, you know, when the magician says abracadabra and then whatever he's whatever he speaks over is created and so uh so that's a little magic for you and we can create magic with the words we use and in a world full of so much noise and there's just so many so much content so many books as well podcasts shows and all that stuff what really stands out is the people who are able to be intentional with their words and craft a story and, and tell mm-hmm. things in, a, in an exciting and, and you know, invigorating way that can actually um, make people emotionally buy in. And that's something that I feel like you're very good at doing. Even like when you're talking about these different books, I can, I can feel that it's a different season or chapter, no pun intended, in yeah. your life where, where you um, took something and you're like, well, might as well put this into my own creation mm-hmm. that can help other people and, and that multiplies. Let's dive into, um, in, into this book right here, How to Talk to Your Enemies. I, I really want to know because you kind of like started touching on, on the bridging division, which is a really, there's probably a lot to unpack there alone, right? But something that right away struck a chord with me is like one of the first relationships you're exposed to in your entire life is your parents, mm-hmm. if, if, if you are, right? Most people do get to see that relationship, good or bad, mm-hmm. and how it unfolds. And, you know, I love my parents, you know, to death, and, and they're probably going to listen to this and get upset about this. But, you know, the, growing up in, in, a, in a bit more of a, of a turbulent uh, relationship household, I think has shaped me a lot of the person I am today, mm-hmm. especially in the relationships that I have. And it's a lot of things that I noticed kind of coming out, uh, you know, now as, as, you know, an adult, I'm seeing a lot of things that I'm like, oh, okay, like maybe that did have a little bit to do with, you know, my parents. So talk to me about that. How does, how is that, how did this all come about for you? So my book was already done and one of my friends challenged me. He goes, Alicia, why are you writing this book? And I said, oh, it's, you know, the corporate and, you know, (laughs) empathy, teaching, emotional intelligence. (laughs) And he goes, no. He goes, why did you really Mm. write this book? And so I really needed to sit with that for a bit. And I thought back to my childhood and my parents, I was really the peacemaker. Mm. And my parents come from two different walks of life, uh, multiracial. Uh, My dad is from New Orleans, Louisiana, and he grew up one of 10. Uh, He was, um, he doesn't see himself as poor, but he was impoverished, you know, he was poor. Back then in the South, uh, the what was going on during the 60s, and uh, and then he was he really only had one choice, and that was to go into the Air, the Air Force. So he went to the he went to the Air Force in the um, in the 60s and ended up in England. Mm. And uh, during that time, uh, he met my mother, and my mother was uh, like in finishing school. She was. Uh, you know, she came from upper middle class. She was very like groomed, and and uh, uh, and and so like these kind of worlds came together. And my dad eventually brought my mom back to the U.S. And she was shocked when she came here. It was like during the uh, the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. uh, during like all like 
during that time, all the like racial reckoning and, and things that were going on uh, during that time, Martin Luther King assassination, assassination of black leaders. And so she, and she just saw the poverty around her. I remember when she went back to New Orleans and she was like, what is this? She, she grew up, I mean, she was, she grew up, or she was, she was born in Windsor, mm. England. I mean, that's where like the royal family resides. She went to the best schools. So, so it was like a culture shock. It was like a culture shock. And then, and so, <laughs> so those are my parents. And, 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 you know, it's interesting. You said, uh, you know, I love my parents. And I always say you want to bridge the word and, because sometimes we'll say like, I love my parents, but we say, I love my parents. And mm -hmm. it was challenging. And I am grateful for those challenges. I because just did it's that, I? <laughs> did, did, did I not just do that? I think I did that. Sorry, mom and dad. I love you guys. <laughs> so you want to say, you want to say, and like anytime you say something, like if you're giving feedback to someone, uh -huh. like, you did such a great job on the report, and then if you say "but," you just erased everything mm, you said. Yeah. So you want to say you did such a great job on the report, and I think you can do the same on this next report. Let me support you and you know help you. Wow, that's really interesting. So you so it's these little minor tweaks and changes to our language mm -hmm. make a difference, and so I go through all of that in the book, uh, feedback, feedback in the workplace, what have I, you. I can't wait to dive into this book because I need this. I mean, as you know, the CEO of my company mm -hmm. and having a team of over 20, I'm having to deal with so many, I mean, not so many, it's not a big company, we're very small, mm -hmm. but so many one-on-ones and so many team meetings and so many balancing so many different styles of what motivates people, what, mm -hmm. um, you know, communication styles work for them, what yes. feedback, you know, all these types of things. I'm just learning, but I'm just like making it up as I go. Mm -hmm. But I have learned to slow down and try to be a little bit more intentional yes. with my words. And even something as simple as what you just explained there, you know, giving feedback is a big thing. And that but word is, is very, very powerful. Yes, you want to, you want to acknowledge people before you give them any type of feedback. Back. You want to really lift them up and you want them to, uh, to feel seen, heard, and affirmed. And once they're in that place, then saying, you know, and, you know, giving them, you know, what, where there's an opportunity for improvement. Mm. And, and so just even terming that term, an, here's an opportunity for improvement versus this is what you did wrong. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so, it's so, so just, just frame the reframing is really powerful. And, and so acknowledging people and then giving them that mindful response and then having what I call a powerful request. And, and it's essentially what feedback looks like is acknowledging here's an opportunity for improvement and then acknowledging them again. And, and so all of those frameworks are are in the book and, and specifically written out as like things to say and then you know going back to my the, the story is uh, so being a, a child in this dynamic has made me who I am today so I'm very grateful for that so Absolutely. all of our experiences in life make me make us who we are and and so we get to acknowledge it we get to feel the feelings of how it was painful and we were you know we all have our different experiences of childhood trauma and what i would say to you is that that's what made us who we are today and so we get to see the gift in that yeah 
And so this book is the gift of uh, that, uh, that childhood that I'm very grateful for. My parents are still married. And we all, we all are doing our best. Mm -hmm. and, and so we get to acknowledge that in other people uh, as well. And so that's how this book came about. Again, that's, like the, that's the genesis of the book. Mm -hmm. And what I saw traveling around the country, kind of uh, in the United States, like post the murder of George Floyd and doing diversity, equity, inclusion work and conflict resolution and general emotional intelligence work in the, in the corporate workplace, I found that people were scared to speak up because they were scared to be shut down. Mm. And to create change, to bridge divides, and to really create a peaceful world where we all reside, we get to speak up and listen to other people. And, and so I found that uh, healing conversations are available one conversation at a time, and that we can heal as we're going. Uh, we can connect with others. And, and it requires an agility. It requires a, a certain skill set. It requires empathy. It requires being present with the other person, connecting with them one-on-one. -on -one. And in this world where we have been going super fast and always have something to do and being busy, 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 what I see the gift in technology is that our busyness is going to go away and it's going to give us room to be more human. And that means connecting with others. That means being compassionate, empathetic. That means sitting and listening to other people's stories. And you mentioned storytelling. And, and to me, storytelling is that's, that's, uh, that's our gift as, as humans, is living our life you know, forward. You know, they say we live our life forwards, we understand it backwards, and, and that we are indeed living a real-time story. And sharing those stories with others develops empathy, develops connection. It's, uh, it's the basis of building relationships. And so I, I, I talk about that, and I, I, I talk about in how to talk to your enemies. Human beings are wired to make judgments. Uh, we're, we're wired to have biases. We are wired that way and... And to have emotional reactions as well. Have emotional reactions. Yeah. We're wired to get angry. We're, uh, we're wired for scarcity. Mm -hmm. We're wired for I'm not enough. We're wired for there's not enough. Yep. We're wired for those things. And the good news is we are also wired for choice. We're wired for that we can regulate all of the stuff I mentioned before. We are wired to choose. And we are wired to see, oh, I just judged that person. Hmm, let me get curious about that. What made me judge that person? But that requires a level of presence mm -hmm. and it requires a level of living life intentionally mm -hmm. and not just kind of being on autopilot. You yeah. mentioned busy, 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 I think. You know, while you say, yes, technology in theory should enable us to do less, I think we take that extra time that it would buy us and fit in 50 other things. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, as much as I love to say that, oh, yeah, I'm present, I'm 
We're right now 100% here in this podcast and only thinking about this. Subconsciously, I feel like I'm thinking about, mm-hmm. I'm kind of hungry. I, 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 what's for dinner later? Or like, yeah, I'm not to, no disrespect, I'm, I'm just giving an example. Absolutely. There's a million things that are mm-hmm. always floating around mm-hmm. in our head. What are some practical ways that you coach people up on staying more present so they can employ that intentionality and that empathy? Mm. Well, definitely breath work is very mm. important. Breathing in and out. There's a there's a, uh, a technique called box breathing. Mm, I love the box breathing. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. military personnel and athletes and people who meditate, you breathe in four, so then you hold your breath for four, mm-hmm. and then you exhale for four, and you hold your breath for four. So that's a way that you are able to calm your nervous system and get in your body in the present moment. And, and so this is, it's a practice. Everything in life is a practice. There's no set it and forget it button. Like, like things like um, when I go into corporations and they want to do just like a one and done, like one hour emotional intelligence training, <laughs> that, that's, that's, that is just putting a Band-Aid. Yeah. This is something that gets to be integrated right. on a day-to-day basis, really truly embodied uh, in us. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, everything's a practice. So the good news is, is when we have these tools like breath work, meditation, uh, you know, emotional intelligence tools to be able to uh, be present in that moment, we have these tools and life, when life lifes, we get to practice those. Mm. And, and I always say we're only as good as you know, the practice of it. So for example, you could meditate, you could be a Buddhist monk and you meditate in the Himalayas. And yeah, that's fine and dandy and you're away from everyone. So, I want, so I'm, I'm curious where the rubber meets the road is can you bring that presence and that equanimity when you're on the freeway during rush hour traffic? Mm-hmm. So it's about the rubber meeting the road. So our tools are there in, in practice um, and uh, because when we are separate from everyone, of course life is gonna be easier when we don't have to connect with others. So that's when the challenge happens. And mm-hmm. so one thing that I, I, I truly believe is, especially because we're in the self-help world and every podcast says, you know, you are like the five people that you hang around with. So yes, and one thing that is a way to support us in growing is to hang out with differently minded people, Mm. not just like-minded people. What does it look like to hang out with differently minded people? Because people Mm. have the propensity to want to hang out with like-minded people because they don't want to be challenged. Yeah, you're in an echo chamber now. You're in an echo chamber, you're surrounded by yes men. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so our true skill set is really tested when we hang out with differently minded people, mm. people who vote differently than you, who have different moral beliefs, uh, the, the whole you know, political polarization that we hear about so much in the, the States, it's like really lean in and get uncomfortable. I think one of the biggest things that helped me do that in my life, and I'm sure you can relate uh, to this because I believe you share this passion as well as travel. Mm-hmm. Getting out of your comfort zone and yes. going into a country with a different race, religion, everything, mm-hmm. way of life, 
you know, it, it really opens your eyes. And I'm so grateful that I got to do that early on in, in my life and be able to see different cultures and travel around the world a little bit. It, it really, you can't really be all that racist or bigoted or short or sexist, even anything, if you've seen how other people live mm -hmm. life. And, 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 you know, you kind of bring that back to day-to-day you know, -day personal development and this type of stuff, right? But I mean, I'm, you know, technically I'm Canadian, so I, I'm here in, in the United States and like, it's like every day there's, this, there's you know, and, and this is something I'd love for you to speak on as well, but um, there's always so much talk about the tensions between, mm -hmm. you know, races and political beliefs mm -hmm. and division, division, division. What what is that all about, and how do we like separate ourselves from that and realize that we're all just human beings, mm -hmm. like you said, trying our best? Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's a couple things going on there. I think the news sensationalizes what's happening, and there's things happening. There's you know there's definitely stuff going on in the world. There's killings happening. There's fighting. There's tension. There's uh, discord. So there's all of those things that are happening, and I think social media and the news intensifies all of that, sensationalizes all that. And so one of the things would be turning off the TV, managing your social media to be able to you know, manage your own nervous system and make sure you don't get... Your information diet. Yeah, mm -hmm. an, an information diet. And, and you get to be cognizant that is, this is also happening in the world. And, and so part of that is being the change you want to see. Mm -hmm. and, and so to your point around travel, I was fortunate enough 25 years ago, I, I traveled around the world by myself. And this was before we didn't have the phones. And, you know, we, I think we had maybe Hotmail and AOL, like dial up. There was like, yeah. I, I, I disappeared basically for a year. My parents, I called collect every couple of weeks. So it's, it, I wasn't taking selfies no. anywhere. I literally disappeared. That's actually on the I was in yeah. India, like on a train and like no one heard, my mom was like, is she dead? That's, that's, that's how long ago it was, 25 plus years ago. And I'm really grateful that I was disconnected and I just really blended in and then, and then talk about because of what I look like, everywhere I went, people thought I was from there somehow, mm. some way. It was really interesting. I was mm. because I just kind of blended in. You know, it was people would start talking to me in a language, and I'd be like, "Whoa!" You know. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, so that supported me a lot in being, you know, how it is to navigate in places and meet people where they are, and and. And, uh, and part of, and, and, and that's a concept I have in my book, I call it radical empathy, is uh, treat others as they want to be treated. Mm. So we, we hear the concept of treating others as you want to be treated. Well, how do you, you know, instead it's treating others how they want to be treated. And so focusing out, being always of serving the other person. And that requires a certain humility. Mm. And really, it's one thing, there's a quote by Mother Teresa that uh, humility leads to unity and unity leads to peace. And I think we all get to have a lesson in being more humble. Mm -hmm. And humility is freeing. It's like, you know, we all have our egos and, and uh, you know, they'd like to be fed and, you know, and, and I'm, I'm on Instagram and, you know, I, I want to look the best I look. And... Um, to be humble about who we are as people and that, you know, it's not about us. 
It's not about us. And to, to come into every situation is like, how can I serve you? Mm. It's freeing. It's like, let me focus on someone else. There's, there's this concept, uh, it's called a when in doubt, focus out. Mm. And I learned that about 10 years ago. And that's something that I say, like, because when I'm spiraling in a depression or <laughs> stressed out and in my like critter brain, when I'm, when I'm in that place, when I focus out on other people, all that stuff goes really quiet. Mm. Goes really quiet. And so we get to be others-centric. We get to focus on others. We get to be patient with others. And, and that's a framework I created, you know, that's in this book and, and uh, to, to support us in building relationships, to support us in, in being uh, empathetic, support us in, in um, you know, connecting with others is, is uh, this, and, and storytelling is a big part of that. And, and so one thing you, you mentioned, so we like to solve all of these things that are going around in the news and this like this 24 hour, seven day a week news cycle that we're in, that they want to get us hooked in. They want us, you know, clickbait, baity titles and all of that is storytelling. Storytelling is powerful. I call it the antidote to hate. Mm. When we hear someone's story, when we sit down with them and connect with them on a deeper level, that is the anecdote to all the biases and our judgments and all of that, because we get to connect with them on a one-to-one -one level. And so that solves, I would not say all of the problems, but I would say it solves a lot, is the connection to other people and really learning their story. Because when we dehumanize others mm -hmm. and we see them as objects them versus us yes the, yeah. uh, the otherism so yeah us versus them and we get to that's that's language we get to if we hear that if we're mm -hmm. saying that or if we hear it from someone else we we know that they're in scarcity they're in critter brain when they say us versus them mm -hmm. that's critter brain talk mm -hmm. that's survival it's why you know if you're a fan of this team and i'm a fan of this team and we're watching the game you see people get crazy yeah. over a made-up sport or something yes. like that it's but very tribal very tribal exactly and like I, I just love this this topic and so the storytelling say that again is the antidote of, of hate of Sto hate storytelling is the anecdote of hate that's beautiful and you yeah. see that with some of the most um influential people out there who who bridged gaps and, and just like you said, bridged divides, mm -hmm. is they're able to sit down, put themselves away for a second and just level with mm -hmm. the person they're sitting across human to human. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite people personally I've, I've loved who's mastered that was Anthony Bourdain, you know, oh. how, how he would travel oh. the world and connect with, mm. you know, the, the seller, the rice farmer, mm. and then the top Michelin star chef at the same level. And, and that's someone who I think exemplified that in a way where it's like, it's like a great equalizer is that mm. storytelling. I yeah. love that. It's a great equalizer, yes. And through that storytelling, you're going to learn common ground about the other person. Mm -hmm. Usually the common ground is the, the love of your family, mm -hmm. the wanting to, to provide, you know, f maybe fear of the future, and you, you can connect with them. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's a great equalizer. 
People love to focus on our differences so much. But when I set out to start this podcast, I didn't really have a direction with it in mind. It's literally called It's Not That Deep. Yes. Like it's, it's, I, I did not have like a, a grand plan or like, you know, here's my 15-year plan for it or anything. All I knew is that I have this fundamental belief that, you know, human beings are the same. Mm-hmm. We, we, are, we want those same things. We want health, wealth, happiness for our loved ones, for our families, for the people closest to us we all want to just you know live live a, a joyous life for, you know and, and spread that as well if you get down to it with anybody you can find that common ground and it might manifest in different ways it might look differently what makes one person happy might not make another person mm-hmm. happy but you know through conversation through putting your sword down and being like hey like let's Let's level here. That that's amazing. And would you say, because because I feel like for me, I feel like I have an, an identity thing where I struggle with with empathy. Sometimes I feel like I think I do because I, I, oftentimes um, I try to put myself in people's shoes, but. I often view life through my lens and I'm like, but like, it's so easy. Just do the thing or like, well, I, like I would have no issue doing this. Like, why don't you do this thing? Like, and so it's taken a lot for me to kind of like take that second. And like you said, you know, realize that it's not about me. How can, you know, that person do it? But how do you work on that skill? Because like you said, it is like a skill, right? How do you work on being more empathetic? Well, thank you for your vulnerability <laughs> and, and sharing that. And I think, I think a lot of people have problems with empathy, especially when we live in a society that's like, you know, we can pull ourselves up by our boot, bootstraps and I'm doing it. You know, I'm running five businesses and I'm being a mom and driving here and driving there and making things happen. And you can do it as well. And, and so there's that kind of individualistic view of the world that we can that we can all make it as individuals, and then we get to look at the context, like what we're swimming in, mm-hmm. and, and that not everyone maybe started off with the same opportunities, and, and other pe- people have, don't have necessarily have the skill sets or the mindset. And, and so part of it is you know, empathy. You defined it, and many people define it as you know, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. I really like the definition of empathy of, I understand that I will never understand however I stand. That's fire. <laughs> I like that a lot. That's beautiful. So it's, it's the willingness. Uh-huh. So, so you, if someone is a you know, different circumstance, different religion, different whatever, you don't know what it is like to be them. And it's the willingness to listen. It's the willingness to be there with them. And, and not have to say anything, just be there. So it's, it's standing for them. It's, um, you know, Brene Brown has such great definitions of all this. It's, the, the, it's, it's believing people when they share their story. Mm. It's believing them. And that's like the opposite of the worldview of like being like cynical. And mm-hmm. you, you come across people like day to day who are just like, negative just are just have Mm -hmm. like they do the opposite of that they're skeptical of everything that you're saying they're challenging everything that you're Mm -hmm. saying they're almost contrarian in in everything that you're you're trying to say and even if you're just telling them something as simple as like 
uh, I, you know, I don't know, let's say you, you don't like that it's snowing out. Mm -hmm. They might find a way to challenge that belief. Mm -hmm. But if you can, I mean, that's such a silly example, but you can meet someone at, hey, like, I, I bet it sucks for you right now. The, it's snowing out. Yeah. You know, that little change right there, if you can apply that at scale with any interaction, that's, I, I think that can, that can change the world. Yeah, and that requires humility. Mm -hmm and is putting others in front of us and, and uh, being able to um, be a humble leader. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Humble leader. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this, but the I get to. Yes. Okay, this is something that I've actually, I've heard people, people said this to me before, and it's that reframe is so beautiful, but I want to hear it in, in your own words because literally written an, an amazing book about yeah. it. Talk to me about I get to. I get to. Actually, we were talking about this before we got on. Uh, Chris Lee, mm. who is a leadership trainer, I actually heard I get to from him. So about uh, over a decade ago, I was invited into a leadership training in Los Angeles, and actually Lewis Howes was the person who invited me in and uh, who, who was a friend of mine at that time. And, and so I'm like, oh, sure, you know, <laughs> I'm, you know, whatever you're doing, I'm going to do, you know, because it was just such a powerful force. And, and I was in this training, and this training is all emotional intelligence training, uh, very powerful shift in my life. And in this particular case, uh, or during, during the training, we would learn skills like this. And yep. one of the skills is the power of reframe mm. and changing I have to to I get to. Mm -hmm. So that simple change in those words really change your mindset from one of you know, dreading mm. to one of gratitude. And I catch myself so many times throughout the day now. And I think it was Chris Lee who said that to me one time. I think we were in the pool here. Shout out to Chris Lee for a second here. But uh, he lives in the same building here. It was, it was so, so funny how we met. Um, one time he was just like, oh, yeah, like I live in that building over there. We, we were across the bay. So like, I lived in that building with the red lights on. I'm like, I had just moved to Miami. I'm like, okay, what, what building is that? He's like, oh, it's called the Flamingo. I'm like, I live there. That's, that's, <laughs> that's very funny. And so we've, we've actually become friends as well. And how can you not love Chris, right? Mm -hmm. Such an amazing dude. But we were in the pool one day. And I think he, yeah, that's, that's the reframe he gave me. Because I was like, oh, I have to go to the gym after this or something, something trivial like that. Mm -hmm. He's like, you get to. You get to. I was to. like, oh, man. Ever since then, every time I say I have to, uh, not every time, I, but I do catch myself. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I get to do this. This is a blessing. Like, mm -hmm. I have all the things that allow me to do mm -hmm. this thing that I may be dreading. And, and a previous me would have maybe, like, wished and dreamed to be able to do this thing that now I'm dreading. So it's like that reframe. I mean, that's everything. It's so important, and I want to share a story about it. I did a video, uh, I was interviewing Chris, and we were talking about my book and his book, and we talked about the importance of that framing shifting from I have to, I get to. Mm -hmm. You know, someone could say, like, you know, I have to do the dishes, or you can say, I get to do the dishes, mm -hmm. meaning you have running water, you have food on the table, and you were blessed enough to be able to have a, a meal. Mm -hmm. So... I put this video on LinkedIn, and this was 
as I was, I was just finishing my, my book, I get to, and this woman responded and she said, Alicia, thank you so much for sharing the power of shifting I have to to I get to. She said, I realized the power of shifting when I buried my daughter. She said, and I, I just remember this, she goes, my daughter had leukemia and we would shift it from I have to get chemo to I get to get chemo. Oh, man. Showing that she had the, the ability to, the, the, to, to, to get this particular procedure yeah. and, and treatment. And, and she said, I realize the power of I get to when I finally buried my daughter. And she said, I get to send my daughter off. Oh, and it was, and I have that in my book, I get to that story and actually what she wrote me. And, and I was, I mean, brought to my knees really. And when I share that story in, and I read it from my book because it's just so profound and, and uh, touching is uh, there's so many people who say, I have to pick up my kids from school. Mm. And when you say, I have to pick up my kids from school, you know, there's some people who wish they could pick up their kids from school. And in that, like that particular situation. So I share that and, and usually, I mean, people are just, just think, it just is the complete reframe of this, like I have to, I have to pick up the kids from school. It's like, I get to pick up the kids from school. I, you know, they're healthy. They're at, you know, I mean, how many, how many parents, uh, you know, we talk about America, it's like, you think about some of these tragedies that have happened at some of these schools, which their, their kids are gone now, and they would do anything to say, I get to pick up my kids. And, and so that's, that's the intentionality with our, with our words is, is being able to shift it. And that, that story is so profound when she shared that her daughter would say, I get to go to chemo, I get to go to the doctors. And then she continued it when, when she buried her daughter and said, I, you know, I get to send you off into heaven. And, I, and I, I was your mom, I got to be your mom. I'm so grateful I got to be your mom. And, and so to me, that's the most uh, profound and telling and tender story of the power of that shift in mm -hmm. wording from I have to, to I get to, that it's a blessing that we get to, you know, do these things. And so that's what I always remember being a mother myself. That's what I always remember and is that each moment is a gift and that we're not promised tomorrow. And so the little mundane things in our life from doing the dishes to going to work to giving feedback to a coworker or a, a direct report, these are all moments, these are all tender moments that we might never have again. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, just even this moment that we're having right now, it's, it's like the stars are aligned that I'm here, it came through the rain and all of that, we're having this moment, we're having this conversation. We 100% would probably not be able to duplicate this, you know, just with every who was here, just a lot of support team. So, so that makes us, that supports us in being, supports us in being present in the moment.
Wow. I think we all are guilty of losing sight of that. We just, we get so busy and wrapped up in like what doesn't actually matter. Mm -hmm. But then you get a phone call tomorrow that a loved one has passed away and there's this time period and everybody can relate to this. There's a time period where you're just like, oh my God, like what was like the last thing I said to this mm -hmm. person or mm -hmm. my, my last memories with this person. You know, last summer, my, my best friend passed away and I got a call. I was at my cousin's wedding. I was in Europe and he passed away in Canada. And it was one of those things where I was just like, oh man, like, I don't know, like this, it, it wasn't real. Like I just, I was just talking to him the other day like we were just yeah. we were just talking like now like but then you you we've all gone through this where now you just cherish those memories yeah. but while you're living we forget to cherish those memories because we take it all for granted mm -hmm. and and so you know it's a painful teacher uh, especially for um you know you that that story you were just telling there that mother i mean of course, it's it's painful, but you know it kind of comes back to what you were saying before about yeah, it's easy to meditate if you're in the Himalayas alone, away from all the noise and everything. But the the same way, it's it's easy to be grateful when you know even we're having a conversation like this, and and I'm just feeling like this, right? The harder thing is later tonight when the 50 things on my to-do list are keeping me up from anxiety and I'm feeling, ah, oh, I have to do this, this, this. There's a million things. I gotta, I gotta be this for so many people and da, da, da. It's like, no, I get to. Like, mm -hmm. I have to remember to apply that mm -hmm. when, when it gets tough, mm -hmm. when it's not just moments like this. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that's, that's one thing. I, I, it's a really, really powerful um, lesson. I, I'm definitely... I'm, I'm a fan. I'm reading your books now. I, like, look, I, I've wanted to since I first met you, but now, really, I mean, I hope the listeners as well, um, you know, have gotten value from this. I want to end this podcast off by, you know, giving you the floor to tell people how they can, how they can find your content, your books, your social, everything. Plug yourself. This is your, your time. Thank you, Deepak. And this has been a really enjoyable conversation, and I just Appreciate want to acknowledge you. And you, you are very much a joyous, large presence. Like, and I'm, I'm saying, you. you know, you're physically tall and. Uh, you have a very special presence, and oh, thank and, you so uh, much. So I appreciate you, and um, yeah, I appreciate you. Thank very you much. so much. Yeah, continue um, doing what you're doing. So uh, you can find me at aliciadunhams.com and at Alicia Dunhams on social media. I have talktoyourenemies.com that basically goes to aliciadunhams.com <laughs> and uh, bestsellerinaweekend.com. So, and uh, on aliciadunhams.com, you can hire me for a VIP day. Uh, you can join Bestseller in a Weekend community. And, and um, yeah, that's how, you, that's how you find me. I know when I'm ready to write a book who I'm going to, I hope, uh, I hope you all do too. Alicia, thank you so much. Um, right back at you. Your energy is absolutely incredible. I haven't had a podcast like this in a while mm. where I've been so, so enthralled. You're, you're incredible. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank and you. for everyone listening, just remember, it's not that deep. Even though we got a little deep. Just a little deep today. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, that, that was incredible.